everyone. Welcome back to the For the Ladies podcast. Happy New Year. Um, I am doing dry January and I haven't regretted that decision yet, so I'm feeling pretty good. Um, but welcome back. Uh, we're excited for 2021. There's so much to come with For the Ladies and we're already kicking off the year with two events. So first of those being our virtual clinic uh, 2.0 with Five Iron Golf on January 13th at 7 p.m. It'll be similar to the first one, but we're going to dive into equipment more. Uh, that just seemed to be a source of more questions during our Q&A session in the first clinic. So I uh, just felt like we should approach that a little bit more and give you guys what you're asking for. So it is only $15. Tell your coworkers, tell your friends, tell your family members, um, you know, those who are interested in trying golf. Maybe that was a 2021 New, uh, New Year's resolution for them. This is the perfect place to start. Our second event coming up is For the Ladies Intro to Golf Clinic in Dallas on February 21st at 4 p.m. Um, it will be at City Golf Club, which is in like the Crescent area, and it will include our bread and butter, instruction, drinks, apps from Mikochina, which I heard if you have Mikochina, it's, it's automatically a good time. So it's going to be great. I'm super excited to be getting back into it. We'll obviously be doing it um, safely, you know, requesting everybody wears masks and we'll keep our distance and have plenty of cleaning supplies on hand. So you can sign up for all of our events at fortheladies.net and just go to the events section. Um, I hope to see you at one or both and I'm, I'm pumped. So we have a lot coming up this year with For the Ladies, um, just a lot virtually and in person. So whether you're following us on Instagram or you're listening to the podcast, make sure you're also signed up for our newsletter, which you can do at fortheladies.net. Um, we I'll probably send one to two emails to you a month. One of those is our For the Ladies Finds, which is a monthly newsletter in which myself, Brooke, and Sarah um, include our what's on our radar. So books, things we're shopping for. It may be golf-related. It may not. So uh, we've been enjoying it, and it seems to be pretty well-received. So you can sign up for it at fortheladies.net, which is where you can pretty much find everything going on with For the Ladies. So on to today's episode, we are starting off the year with ladies of golf. Um, my friend Julia introduced me to Allison Kurt, who is an incredible woman. She is only one of two women to earn the LPGA and PGA master professional honors. Um, she has her doctorate in psychology and an incredible amount of accolades. I have to read off a few of them to you because it's just so impressive. Um, so she is, as I mentioned, she has her doctorate in psychology, a PJ and LPGA master professional. She's a two-time LPGA top 50 instructor, um, SC PGA teaching hall of fame. She has been honored by both golf magazine and golf digest. She has multiple SC PGA awards. She is just incredible and was such a delight to talk to. Um, I thought it was a good episode to start off the year with because she we talked a lot about how to approach um, instruction. So whether that's setting a mindset or goals that are tangible and something to work toward rather than maybe setting a resolution, which may be more vague, such as working out more. Um, she, she mixes her golf training with her work in clinical psychology. So she is so good at training a well-rounded golfer. So that, you know, meaning they, her golfers obviously have great 
fundamentals and technique, but they also have a good mindset, um, which is, you know, half the battle with golf being such a hard sport. Um, Additionally, we talked about just how to approach golf instruction. So if you're a new golfer, there are so many books, videos, instruction, clinics that you can really invest your time, money, and energy into. But but we talk about, you know, maybe what's the best way to start that journey. Um, I thought this was a great way to start off the year. I hope you guys really enjoy it. Um, as always, we love ratings and reviews from you. So thank you if you've done it. If you haven't yet, it's super easy on Apple and Spotify. Um, so thank you so much. I'm so excited to begin the year with you all. And we have a lot coming up. So it should, it should be really fun. Enjoy this one. Okay, great. So I'm um, so as we start a lot of the, the ladies of golf podcast, I'll begin with a quick nine. So you can just answer these questions. Um, so I'll fire them off. The first one is, what is your favorite social media channel? Instagram. The last book you read. Mm, the Clash of Kings from Game of Thrones. Oh, nice. Um, the last podcast you listened to. Um, um, <laughs> gosh, I don't listen to that many podcasts, um, but it's going to sound weird. The murder one uh, with the two girls. God, what is the name of oh, that? Oh, shoot. I listen to so many murders. Favorite murder. Yes, I listen to yeah, so many of murder. those. <laughs> um, I listen to the Morbid podcast. It's it's ridiculous. Um, the, the Morbid, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should definitely check it out if you like that one. Um, the best we'll advice okay. you have received? Make an adjustment. Okay. Last show that you binge watched. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, love it. I'm <laughs> Do you prefer stretching or working out? Working out. What is your favorite? If you are going to enjoy some sort of beverage, what would be your favorite on course beverage? Diet Coke. Driving range or playing nine? Driving range. And the proudest moment of your career so far? Winning the PGA U.S. Women's Cup against four other national countries. Love it. That's awesome. Okay. So now no, no more quick nine. Um, I want to, of course, just introduce. <laughs> I, I know. I feel like I like stress people out with those because I'm like, okay, are you ready? <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so how did you first get into golf? I got into golf when I was a young girl, age of seven, and where I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, organized sports didn't start till the age of eight. And so I had an older brother who was two years older, and my dad was getting him involved in sports, and my parents supported him in that. So I was a little bit antsy, and, and at seven, I, I wanted to become involved and engaged. So my dad brought me out onto the golf course, and we'd play a couple of holes. And then as soon as I was eight years old, I was off and running into every organized sport possible but particularly golf when it was the summer months and then just took it from there and ran with it all the way to make it my career 
That's amazing. And and you you I saw you did play college golf. Um at what point did you realize like that that was something you could do? I had to be around 10 or 11 and I was at the golf course and saw an older girl that had a University of Tennessee collegiate bag. And at that moment, I wanted to be a collegiate golfer. I wanted to have that bag. I wanted to be a part of a team like that. And I attended some Nike junior golf camps when I was in middle school and high school. And one of my camp counselors played for Florida State University. And that was my area of interest um, when I was looking at colleges is being able to go somewhere warm, being able to see my first palm tree and Florida was, was the best place for me. And so it ended up being a really great experience and um, two-time academic All-American. So had some success there during my four years. That's amazing. Yeah, I feel like we, when you're of that that age to be playing on a college sport, you maybe don't realize as much of how much of a role model that you can be for for future junior golfers and junior players. So um, that's really cool. I love that story. Yeah, it's so interesting that you just don't know who you're going to influence or what you're going to say that inspires somebody. Um, I have a particular junior who's 11 now that her dad will share with me some of the things that she says that he remembers me actually saying in a lesson. And it's like, wow, I need to be careful because I'm clearly influencing her in a positive way. So hopefully that can be a motivating factor to allow her to reach her goals. So yeah, it's it's really, um, it's amazing the power that we can have to influence others, especially during yeah. through this game. Yeah. And when you were in school, um, did you do the PGM professional golf management program? I did. I was a dual major in psychology and PGM. Okay. And so did you realize early on that you wanted to be an instructor? Absolutely not. It was the last thing on my radar. I had a really clear and passionate goal that I was going to be an FBI forensic profiler. Oh my gosh. And uh, sort of be the next Clarice Starling, if you will, um, from uh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh my gosh. That didn't end up Yeah, it didn't end up working out for me because I I finished my psychology degree after my sophomore year. So I had two years left and I wanted to start working on my master's. And sadly, the school didn't support me in that because I was going to be gone so much being a traveler on the golf team. So I had to find like a second degree to, um, to study. And so my mom suggested, why don't you get this golf degree, this PGM degree, it's in hospitality and business admin, and it'll kind of help you out in, in case, you know, things don't go the way that you want it to. And sure enough, that's, that's what happened is it really set me up for success to have that in my back pocket that if I wasn't going to be a famous tour player and um, have an opportunity with sponsorships to just go straight to Q school, and I wasn't going to be an FBI profiler, then at least I still had golf in my life. Yeah. Oh, that's such good advice from your mom. But um, I guess like what, yeah, you kind of divulged a little bit of like, I don't know if many people who are listening to this really know what, what the PGM program is. Um, You know, do people who go through the program and, and add that as a degree, do they, do most go on to be instructors and uh, like general managers and professionals? Yes, I would say that um, 
through the professional golf management programs, which I'm not sure how many schools there are. There was like 14 at the time and then it went up to 18. But there's a few universities around the U.S. that have a specific degree under the professional golf management school. And so it might be business admin or hospitality, um, something in that, that regard. And, and it's paired up with the PGA of America. So it allows a student to study and prepare for their future and also then graduate and be near ready to be elected to PGA membership. And anyone can then go into all areas of the golf industry. So I went into teaching and coaching, but the degree and the PGA training really um, sets up the student to become a GM, a head professional, sales, any part of the golf industry, they'll have some skills to step on into. Got it. Okay. And then so did you, so I guess what did you, I, I've noticed that after college, then you have gone on and you completed your doctorate. So what was kind of like the next stage for you when you realized, okay, I'm going to continue a school or I'm going to try to play competitively. What was kind of that crossroad for you? So as soon as I finished Florida State, I was done playing. I wasn't really, I was very burned out. And yeah. since I didn't have the opportunity to go straight to the tour, um, I sort of just got into finding a job and that was about it. But within the industry, I found the most fun, not fluffing and folding shirts and not really running tournaments and, and not being in the operation side, but helping individuals be their best through golf. So they would come to me so upset and distraught over hitting a slice. And then I had the ability to take that away and make that better for them. Yeah. And so that made me feel really good about having these relationships with my, my students. And so when I moved to California, I landed myself eventually at a high-end facility where I could really start to build my teaching business and fine tune my craft. And in working with them, I found that it was only half satisfying to work with them from the outside in and just being able to work on different motor skills and improving their performance. But I wanted to work with players from the inside out because we all have our own baggage and we all have our own um, internal issues that can impact our performance. So that was the precursor that set me off to go back to school in 2011 to get my master's degree. And so I would teach and compete in golf tournaments as I started to get my internal fire ignited again <laughs> and work during the day. And then I would go to classes at night. And that sort of led me into becoming a licensed therapist. So the degree that I selected was clinical psychology okay. and did some training to have a license to help individuals on a clinical basis with anxiety and depression and past uh, traumas to help them perform. And so what started out is just teaching and, and fixing slices and fixing hooks and putting and chipping better turned into really being able to help a player holistically from the inside out and the outside in. And just the education, um, the desire to want to learn more led me into then getting my doctorate degree and continuing to branch off from there. That's amazing. I I am somebody who really doesn't mind school at all. I did my master's part time while I was working at Titleist, so I I um I'm guessing like I was going to ask you, you know, what drives or like inspired you to to continue, you know, your schooling all the way through completing your doctorate, and you kind of just explained that, but I don't know if there was anything else to that. 
Yeah, I'm, there's some people that really connect with school and other people's, you know, it's not for them. But for me, it just, um, it always seemed to work. And it was one of those things that like the more effort that you put into it, the higher grades one would receive. So yeah. it was a very clear path to success and very rewarding and validating. Um, so I'm a learner by nature. I love to continue to read and do online certifications and go to webinars and teaching and coaching conferences to continue to hone my craft. But going back to school was, um, and working full time was super fun for me. It was not a hardship by any means. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I think that's awesome. And before we get into more of your teaching, I think one more piece of background that I think is really important still is, is that you have this master professional title that you earned. And I was just hoping that you could explain what that means to have the PGA and LPGA master professional. Most certainly. So once an individual becomes certified in the PGA or the LPGA, there's steps that one can take to continue to earn um, education and uh, move up into different categories, if you will. So a class A member would be um, just a, a typical PGA or LPGA member. In the PGA, there's then other steps as you gain more education, whether you become specialized in a given field, teaching and coaching, executive mm. management off operations um, from specialized, you then become certified and do some more education. And then after 10 years in the industry and basically doing a really, really big project, you can become the highest classification within the PGA, which is called a master professional. So I was able to achieve that at the age of 29 with the PGA, but with the LPGA I had to wait uh, some more years because their requirements were a little bit different. Mm. And so I finished my LPGA master professional status in 2018. So became the first person that was a dual master in yeah. both organizations in the field of teaching and coaching. It's that's amazing. I mean, that must have felt so rewarding. Um, I mean, you certainly have a lot of accolades that are fantastic, but but being something that's, you know, at the top of your class, it must have been really rewarding as well. It feels awesome. And I think just as women, in order to separate ourselves, we have to be extraordinary. Yeah. And when we're in a very competitive male-based industry there's certain ways to separate yourself. And I choose to do that through a standard of excellence. And so for me, that's education and certification and to have a brand and a presence that separates me from everyone else. And I think that's allowed me to be very successful so far. Absolutely. And I'm glad we have you here today because this podcast will come out at the beginning of the year. And I think it'll be really great for those who have made like a New Year's resolution to learn how to play golf. So um, I would love to just get like a few pieces of um, a few tidbits of advice from you, I think. So I had a few things written down. And one of those would be, you know, for those who did make a resolution to learn how to play golf this year, what kind of mindset would you suggest they go into the year with? First off, what a great resolution to have. Uh, <laughs> I would require or recommend that anybody that has a resolution has a clear plan in place because all too often we say we're going to lose 20 pounds by this date and then three weeks into January, we're no longer going to the gym. So if your New Year's resolution is to, to pick up the game of golf, first off, this is not just a one stop, you learn it and you're ready to, to take off and running. This is going to be a lifetime of learning. And that's part of the fun of it is that your progress will never plateau. You can always continue to get better and better. 
Yes. But I want you to have a really clear plan. Like what is golf going to look like in your life? Is there a social component? Is there a performance component? Is there a per times per week component so that you can have exercise added into it? What is your, your purpose and your drive for wanting to pick up the game and then create a really good blueprint and template for yourself to follow so that you can actually reach your goals? I love it. Yeah. I, I, and that was kind of leading into one of my future questions is like one of the harder parts of picking up golf, in my opinion, is sticking with it, especially if you don't have a group of friends to play with, or like you said, if you don't really have like a set plan. Um, so I, what are maybe some thoughts that you have on making golf part of your routine or, or making one of those plans? Sure. So, you know, there has to be something that instigated someone to think I want to start to pick up this game so whether there's someone in their life that plays it whether it's a desire to learn a new sport desire to learn a new skill maybe it's the only thing that's safe and socially distant for someone to do socially um, is to play golf currently in this climate um, so look at what your motivations are and then based on where you're at in your in your learning what are some short-term goals and some long-term goals that you'd like to achieve. So maybe short-term is just having the knowledge how to hold the club, swing the club and aim the club. Mm -hmm. And then maybe a year down the road, you'd like to be able to complete nine holes walking and carrying your bag. Um, so do, do a little bit of, of education, some reading um, based on where you are in your life with how your body moves, what age you are, what time you have in your life to be able to commit to learning this new skill. Um, perhaps reach out to a coach that you feel like you'll have a great long-term relationship with, that you don't have to take lessons every week, but that you can take lessons on occasion to make sure that you enhance your skill and you have things to work on. Um, Create a plan for how that looks in your life. Is it Saturday mornings? Is it two times a week at a practice facility? Is it being able to join a group of friends on a Sunday afternoon to go play nine holes? Yeah. You can sort of work your way backwards from what your end goal is to then create what are the steps that you'd need to achieve in order to, to get you there. Um, but overall, I think that having social support is really important because if you go down this road, solo unless you're a highly internally motivated person it's very easy to get burned out or disinterested so create a community create a culture around you of people who are very supportive of your golfing goals and dreams um, so that you do have that that community support when you need it I love that I yeah I mean all of that advice is so good and because I I do think that sometimes golf can be really overwhelming. Um, there's just a lot out there now, which is a good and a bad thing. There's, there's so many books, videos, articles, and, and I feel like everybody is adding to it. So it, it's great, but it might not all be a good fit for somebody. Um, so I, and you kind of mentioned a little bit about like reading about it and such, like, where do you think like a true beginner should start? So it's tough because the internet can be a blessing and yeah. a curse when we think about the quantities of information, you know, like how do I start to learn how to play golf? And then you Google that and then there are, there's all these different steps. Right. Um, I think that people can go down the YouTube vortex really quickly where there's so much information out there. You're not really sure like what applies to you um, and what's applicable to how your body moves and where you're at in your, in your game. So there's some very classic books out there that 
start to cover the, the really basic fundamentals. I, I think a classic for me is um, Golf's Annika's Way. And it was written by Annika Sorenstam. And it's mm. like a coffee top table book. Yeah. And she covers like every single shot, like how she would hit it. Um, really great pictures and just kind of gives you a good beginning of, you know, what she has done to become successful. And there's some other really classics out there, like How to Feel a Real Golf Swing, Bob Tosky, Understanding the Golf Swing by Manuel De La Torre. You know, maybe go with some of those basic classics or even Ben Hogan's Five Fundamentals to give you a sense of, you know, what are some of the concepts of how to grip how to hold, how to stand, what's alignment look like. And then from there, I really think it's so important to find someone to help you in coaching. Yeah, It's like, if I wanted to learn how to play piano, I might look up some you know things on the internet, like what are the keys called? Maybe where should I buy a piano? How often should I practice? But if I want to get really good, I, I need to have someone that has the expertise and the skills really guide me down the path to build that. So go to pga.org or lpga.com, find a teacher in your area and, and create a relationship with a good coach. Yeah, I, I, that, that was perfect advice. Thank you. And I am also just curious, it was kind of like a two-parter question. It's just like, when do you think somebody should introduce the mental side of the game into it? I, I, I love that you have this teaching of like the physical, mental, and academic parts of all the, of the sport, but um, there's obviously a huge. Everybody loves to like use the cliche of you know the game is played in between your ears. Like when does that kind of play into it? Right from the beginning, because okay. you're really not separating your skill from who you are as a person. So if you've had a really rough day at work and then you're going to go out and practice and hit some balls and you notice that your mood impacts your success that day, or you wake up and you have an amazing day at work and all of a sudden you come to the golf course and you're hitting the ball amazing also, there's just no separating your internal processes from your actual skills. So right from the beginning, I'd really start to understand the, the basic fundamentals of visualization and imagery, emotional regulation, goal setting, um, components like that to be able to regulate yourself as a human being so that you can keep yourself in check when you're trying to learn you know, what can be a very complex motion, but can also be very, very fun and very rewarding. Yeah, that's certainly something I haven't put much thought into. Um, you know, I go to, like, I go to a therapist on a regular basis, and I feel like I, like, think about those things when it comes to work and, like, how should I manage that stress, but I don't really bring it over into my golf game where I still have those emotions. Like, I still get, like, nervous about something or anxious about something, especially because I'm more of a leisurely player, and if I'm playing with, you know, really good athletes, then I, it stresses me out a little bit, and I probably, maybe that's something I'll work on in 21 is bringing in those learnings into my golf game <laughs> absolutely 100 i think that besides everyone should have therapy at some point in their life it's <laughs> super helpful um and it should actually be required for every human being on earth in my opinion um, but the things that we would learn in therapy the things that we would learn how to be a good human being those are going to transfer over into our performance um, so how we improve our relationships how we improve our our work presence, um, even those key fundamentals, being a good leader, they will show up on the golf course. Um, so certainly bringing 
an element of regulating our mind, our thoughts, our emotions, our motivations, the ability to focus, those are going to be major components into performing. And eventually someone's going to want to move from the driving range to actually play golf. Right. And so when you get out there, it's a different beast. And how do you prepare those doubts and anxieties in order to have a good time on the golf course? That's all going to come from the mental game. Oh, I feel like very, I have a very calm mindset and coming into 21, I'm like very excited now to like work on my golf game and and get things going that put me in a really good place. (laughs) (laughs) That's thrilling to hear. I love it. (laughs) Well, I would love to hear just, you know, what are you hoping to do more of in 2021? So in 2021, I certainly have some performance goals of of how I would like to perform on the golf course. I'm pretty competitive still and play a bunch of tournaments when I'm when I'm not teaching full time business in terms of teaching has been very successful. So I hope to continue to grow that. But when it comes to performance, there's certain things that I'm working on in my golf swing and there's certain things that I'd like to attain this year. So I'm just going to keep working hard on my skills and keep working hard on my mind because those skills are are always continually evolving. Um, I would say from an education standpoint, there's some some things that I'd like to continue learning about golf. Um, The physics of golf has not always registered with my brain quite Mm. as easily. I'm not really a math person, but more on the human sciences pieces. So I'm interested in taking some physics courses to really get deep down into the biomechanics of the golf swing, just for my understanding to help my students perform the best they can be. And lastly, I think self-care is so important. So as much as I'm, I'm running around and juggling multiple balls and um, involved in various capacities with the PGA and the LPGA and governments and volunteer, sometimes I have to check myself and actually rest and relax. So I want to make sure that when I do schedule those times, I'm not checking email, I'm disconnecting, yeah. I'm just really nourishing and rejuvenating my soul when it's my off time. I need to do a little better job at that. Yeah, I feel like we probably all do, especially with just the year that we had and being <laughs> stuck to our devices probably a little bit more than usual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that thing on my Apple phone that tells me every Sunday morning how many <laughs> hours I've been on it. Yes. Yeah, we have a love-hate relationship. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. It's so bad. When I am like a little bit less, I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> oh my gosh. I told. Yeah, it's like a very motivating. And then all of a sudden, somehow the next week, it even inflates a little bit higher. So <laughs> That's so funny. Um, well, thank you so much. I wanted to at least give you the opportunity to share where, where women and men can find you if they are interested in just like learning more about what you do and um, if they are live nearby if they could uh, book lessons with you absolutely so head on over to my website which is allisonkurtgolf.com you spell it any way you want to phonetically and it'll more than likely pop up the first on google so just shoot for that and then of course on social media if you head to instagram or facebook Allison Kurt Golf, you will find some pages for me where I do like to share information, put up some video tips and share some things that I'm doing in lessons. So it's a great way for you to kind of learn um, some different things I'm doing in the golf swing to help my students be better. And maybe something will resonate with you. But of course, any questions, feel free to reach out uh, through the website, which has a booking system, email, phone number, everything to get in touch with me. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. And hopefully when I'm hoping to do events in San Francisco and San Diego this year. So maybe we'll be able to hook up at some point. Absolutely. Please feel free to reach out as you're coming from San Fran down south because you will right. pass through LA. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we'll certainly meet up. Awesome. Thank you so much, Allison. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Our original music is composed and performed by my talented and wonderful friend, Ryan Young. If you're looking for more from For the Ladies, visit us at fortheladies.net and on Instagram at fortheladies. That's F-O-R-E. Thank you.